like, I didn't take it in a very serious manner. I'm going to say this. I was uh, multitasking, maybe we'll say. And I did get frustrated at one point and just started hitting answers without even like trying. So like, maybe, <laughs> uh, but that was because of the frustration. I know I'm, I, it's not a surprise. I'm like spatially retarded, although I'm good with directions. It's very confusing. I have a really good mind for like geography, maps, and where I am at any given moment. But show me weird shapes, you know, I don't know. Did you take one? No, I didn't. I have a terrible mind for geography though. And yeah, I'm definitely a word cell, not a space rotator or shape rotator, whatever. But um, mm-hmm. I did not take the IQ test. I've never taken an IQ test actually. And I'm like scared to like, what if it says that I'm low IQ? And I don't want to know. <laughs> Why would you not want to be low IQ? Our brethren, you know, low IQ. Run. Like I'm now low IQ ever since like a horrible like chemical spill in my in my home. Like I, have, I truly took on the like house of retardation. Like I have that mantle now, I guess. And so don't be worried about being low IQ. I like hope because I had like a good SAT score, which is like a cringe thing to talk about as an adult. But I did this like someone told me that you could do like an SAT to like IQ like conversion and that was like pretty good so I was like I'm just gonna stick by that and never look at my real IQ <laughs> Wait, did you do like were you in the gifted program as a as a youth yeah I was I was one of those gifted kids that like grew up to be a degenerate so yeah <laughs> IQ test. without your consent or probably knowledge but part of that usually is an IQ test well I I don't know. I don't remember doing one, but I do have like a spotty memory because I partied too much in college. <laughs> so I bet my IQ has definitely gone down. I've killed some brain cells. I, I was like looking at this um, like photo album scrapbook thing that my dad made me for my 18th birthday. And I completely forgot about this, but there was like a certificate in there saying, so I guess because I was in the gifted program when I was like, I don't know, like 12 or whatever, I had to take the SAT. And apparently I had the highest SAT verbal score in the entire state for 12 year olds. And I'm like, okay, that's my claim to fame. I peaked at age 12. We don't have to talk about anything after that. <laughs> that's astounding. You took the SAT as a 12 year old and you were like blew it out of the water. You're like Doogie Hauser. Uh, you may not know the reference, but Doogie Hauser is a like a brainiac uh, from like 90s sitcom television. I recognize the name. It's Neil Patrick Harris. You probably know that guy. He's yeah, 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 yeah. Like, completely insufferable. Like worse. Oh, yeah. I mean, good, good grief. I know we can talk about insufferable faggots uh, tonight, <laughs> I guess. Um, uh, before, yeah, actually, before we even introduce you, I still want to talk about Gate a little bit because I saw this thread that was like, well, I have a chip on my shoulder, okay? Because I was excluded from gate but i qualified it was a very weird situation that unfolded and i've heard a few other people this happening were like i essentially took this test and they basically said yeah you would normally qualify but because of your like standardized test like we had like a state i forget what it's called like ct i know there's some like standardized test everyone takes them right like and it was like these dumb 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 questions i don't know i guess i didn't do good on those and so like on the standardized test score, like that was a part of the criteria. And so I was excluded. I think it was because of like this, like, I don't know, whole organized conspiracy against me that started <laughs> as a child, obviously, but like, <laughs> I um, so I have a chip on my shoulder, but it's, I, it's alleged that this program is like a intelligence like operation. It's like a recruiting ground for like tomorrow's like best and brightest. And it is true. Like most of, most of the best and brightest people who advance do have some uh, like you know, history in gate. I don't know. Do you feel like you're on a trajectory for success? Um, I don't know. I mean, I'm 30 and I haven't reached it yet, but you know, 
the world's my oyster. <laughs> Let me tell you the whole, the time, oh, first of all, those memories that you're missing, that's probably just like CERN, this like thing they're doing over in Switzerland. It's like with time machine, like, I don't know what they're actually doing over there, but it's definitely messing with timelines. So like, yeah, false memories, lost memories, very common. It's not your fault. And also, I also feel like um, just in general, like, yeah, the whole age psyop is, and it's getting worse. I feel bad for Zoomers because like, they literally think like 21 is dead. And I, I'm here to tell you, you can go forever. It doesn't end. Life does not end. It's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm the first young old ever to like, I feel like I'm the trailblazer because I was like the person like living at home with my mom, like when it was not a common thing. Like I was the boomerang kid, you know, like who had to go back. Like I had a lot of Zoomer challenges as a millennial. It was a, it was a struggle. Let me tell you. But I'm so sorry. are you like an elder millennial? Do you identify as an elder millennial? I do. Some people would put me in, I, I'm not a clear cut, not Gen X. I, some people like do this Xennial, I guess, like Xennial. I, I will cop to that too a degree because I do feel like Gen X structure the entire like culture of like the world I grew up in but I do feel like I'm in that like um, early 80s zone of like I've seen it all baby I've seen it all I've seen the whole world rise and fall and I've got stories to tell no I love elder millennials that's like my favorite generation I was like I tweeted the other day something about like standing at the window like waiting for my elder millennial husband to return from war (laughs) i saw that i yeah i talked to i talked to the heavens they have a short list but i think uh, yeah there's we could talk about that we shouldn't talk about your romance life on (laughs) but i feel like the heavens the heavens are um in your favor i think uh ms cassandra aka at truth enjoyer welcome to here comes the backlash once again thank you so much for having me i'm so pleased to be here once again I feel like we're starting like season two because like now I've got returning guests and like, boom, we're cranking it. Like I've got a full schedule. Everyone's coming back. The whole gang is together. Spring is like sprung basically. And it feels like, I don't know. How's your vibe out in, in, in South Florida? Does it feel like spring is there yet? I mean, it's like perpetual summer here. So yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's, it's good. It's like 80 and sunny every day. Um, the no CMs are back in action, which triggers me because last year I had a traumatizing experience. So do you know what no CMs are? Like the little like flies. Oh yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I spent a lot of time in Florida. I don't know all the like taxonomy, but I'm now that you say it, yes. Yeah, they're horrible. And they're like way worse than mosquitoes because, you know, when mosquitoes bite you, they die. So it's like they get to taste your blood and that's like the last thing that they taste and then they die. And it's like, okay, fine. Like you died for this, you can have it. But like- no CMs. If they bite you, they do not die and they can just keep biting you. And last year, so they're so tiny, they can come through like screens on your window. So like this window that I have, that's like pretty big or whatever. Um, and there's like water near my house. And so they like thrive near the water. And anyway, they like came into my apartment and I, I thought at the time, I thought that they like were in there because I had a lot of house plants. So I got rid of my house plants because I was getting bitten like in my sleep. It was horrible. I like, I, I was like, do I have fucking bed bugs? And then I realized, no, I'm just new to Florida and I don't know, like, like I just was not prepared for Florida for bugs. So anyway, so I got rid of all my house plants and then coincidentally, that was like around the time that they went away. But I think that was like a pure coincidence. But in my mind, I thought it like, oh, I was like, I cracked the code. Like it's not going to happen anymore. And anyway, now it's like March again and it's a year later and it's like happening again. It's not as bad, thank God. But like, yeah, I'm like getting eaten alive here. So that's spring in Florida for you. (laughs) I'm in Florida. I feel like, I don't know, does it really, I guess those bugs go away, but the bugs don't really ever go away nor do like I don't know I feel like the reptiles are like out <laughs> year round it's it's kind of I don't know I think it's a little bit like Jurassic Park in Florida yeah. do you agree 
it was like so novel to me when I first moved here, seeing all like the little like lizards and stuff like scurrying around in the streets. I had never seen that before because I've only ever lived in like mild, like temperate, like, well, like, you know, New England or I was living in the UK. Like I've lived in all these places that are pretty like seasonal and rainy and yeah Yeah, Florida's definitely the wild west for me (laughs) we're all kind of damn places when you said like your apartment was near water I was like well duh it's in it's in South Florida the whole place is like a giant swamp everything like the parking lots just have standing water I feel like all the time because it's just like (laughs) I know flash floods although I love a sun shower like that's it's kind of awesome when that just happens I don't know I love like the summer thunderstorms here I mean they get kind of annoying if you get caught in them but I think that they're really fun I love a little bit of like thunder and lightning. <laughs> you like pina coladas and like walks and get, in. Getting caught in the rain. Yeah. <laughs> I do like yoga though. And I do only have half a brain. Do you think meditation so. is satanic? <laughs> meditation? I don't know. I, I've never thought about it, but I'm not good at meditating. Like I'll be in yoga and they'll be like, oh, like, you know, telling us to like clear our mind and breathe. And I'm like making fucking to-do lists in my mind. I'm like counting calories of how much food I ate that day. Like I, I feel like in yoga, I'm like more neurotic, not less. Yeah. I don't feel like that. Yeah. I'm not good at yoga. So, but I do think that meditation, you don't do lists for sure. I think you're supposed to like leave those at the door. Like my technique, I have to picture like I'm in an aquarium and there's a big window and all my thoughts are like, at that window and I'm keeping them at bay. It's like, the, I literally have to think like that to keep my thoughts. Cause it's like, I, you might imagine have intrusive thoughts and like <laughs> rapid fire electricity happening in those neurons all the time. But like, I'm impressed you can do yoga. I cannot, I'm like, I can't stretch. It's awful. I love stretching, but yeah, no meditation. I feel like I've never even given it a shot. Like, like even the times that I'm supposed to, like my brain's just like, no, I'm not even going to try to do that. Like, I just need to have thoughts at all times. I feel like the only time that I'm like technically not having thoughts is when I'm drowning it out with like music or like if I'm like drunk or something. <laughs> <laughs> I have this idea that I think I want to get Tucker Marks to lead us in, I think she should do meditations. Like there's like this like um, daily calm or the calm app. I don't know if you've heard of it. Like it's really trendy with like, I don't know, people who wear North Face a lot. She's effective. I will say I actually like her, like her meditations and stuff. They're, they're good. Like she does a good job, but she does like a little like, like leads you through like the breath work and stuff and then does like a little like lesson or whatever. It's like, oh, let's take a page out of life and tell like a whole like, I don't know, parable of something. I don't really like her that much. I think Tucker Marks would be good at it because she has a very soothing voice. And oh that- my God, I agree. When I listened to Tucker on your pod, I was like, I'm so jealous of her voice. Her voice was so like peaceful and feminine. <laughs> like I feel like my voice is really shrill and I'm like I wish my voice was like hers no I feel like you're you have a feminine voice as well and it's honestly like it's a it's a harmony like you there's different feminine voices this is yeah yeah it's different feminine voices I don't know like it makes me think of that song you probably don't know this but like in a chorus line there's this famous song called um at the ballet and it's this like famous harmony that they like do or whatever and like it's like three distinct like it's written for three distinct like you know voices and they're all telling their own story in their own way in their own voice and that's like what we're about here, I guess, right? Yes, I think that's beautiful. <laughs> so to start off our Chorus Line History Recap Podcast, no, I'm just kidding. I brought it up because I heard um, Ryan Murphy's like making a movie about the, like about a Chorus Line, I guess it's like a Netflix series. And it's like, it's annoying to me because it's just like everything Ryan Murphy does. Like, I don't so- think I've seen anything that he's done outside of Glee. What else has he done? Oh, like, um, what's the American Horror Story, I think, is his big thing. Okay, I've seen a couple episodes. Back in, like, 2013, I, like, had a crush on... 
Evan Peters. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I watched a bit of it. I think that one's kind of hit or miss. I've never been a big fan of that one. Uh, once I have, okay, Pose is a kind of famous, I guess. That's his biggest. That's like the drag queens in New York, which again, I actually like the premise. And this is the thing. His shows always start out like, with promise and like actually well done, I will even say, but they he falls apart. I feel like he checks out, leaves it to the writers. Something happens and it always falls apart, like quickly, quickly. But the shows keep going, and so it becomes this like dreadful mess. I don't know. Did you watch Glee for a long time? Um, I think I I did. I don't think I finished watching it, but I did watch it for a long time. And I feel like I went through this phase when I was in college, which like when Glee was on the air and Gossip Girl was on the air. This was like you know 2010, 2011. I had a Tumblr and I wasn't like in the Glee Tumblr. Like I I wasn't like a a Glee like stan or anything, but at this point, so Gossip Girl had been on the air at that point for years. Like I think it came out like in the, I don't know, mid to late two thousands, like when I was in high school. Yeah. And then it was like still on, but it was like, you know, multiple seasons in by the time I like got to college and I was on Tumblr and I was like, sort of, this is embarrassing. I was like, sort of in the gossip girl fandom, but not really. Like there was like this one, like echelon of the fandom that was like people who hate gossip girl, but they can't stop watching it. Cause it's like, we were just hate watching it. And I was in that part of the fandom. So like me and these like randoms that I was like mutuals with on Tumblr would like live blog, like watching (laughs) Gossip Girl and like all like the plot holes and like everything that we hate about like the writing and how bad the dialogue is and like whatever. But I was like, I'm embarrassed to say, although I still stand by it. I have not rewatched Gossip Girl though. So maybe, maybe I don't stand by it, but like I stand by it from what I remember. I, I hated Chuck and Blair as a couple. And I, I was like a, I was a dare stan, like Dan and Blair. And I was so pissed in like the final season when they like retconned everything about Dan's character so they could get Chuck and Blair together. Dan is not Gossip Girl. I'm sorry. There's no yeah. way he's Gossip Girl. Like it doesn't make it, sense. Like it does you, not make sense. No, That's, like if, if you go back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like if you connect the dots, there's no fucking way that Dan could possibly be Gossip Girl, and I will die on that hill. <laughs> Dude, that's how you know we ended up in the wrong timeline, and we have to get out. We have to get back to the right timeline. We were in the one where Dan is like the Gossip Girl. I stopped. I did watch Gossip Girl for like a period. Like I loved like trash. I, I mean, like everything you're saying is not embarrassing, and I love the lore we just got from uh, soccer <laughs> lore here. This is important, but I, I love that you're like in like the dissident, like the baddies, like Gossip Girl <laughs> fandom. It's perfect. I picture yeah, kind of natural like, control. <laughs> it, it, like, you know those like the meme of like the three like like I don't know like middle school age like art hoes and the, like the gay boy next to them and he's got like a black turtleneck on like yes that's you're the like the, the gossip girl like whatever fan club and you're just like ruling Tumblr with your like sassy devastating takes <laughs> to this day I still have some mutuals on Instagram who I met on like gossip girl hater Tumblr. <laughs> isn't it interesting like i yeah like that's like yeah isn't it interesting the people you know like over time and the incarnations like i've been reflecting on that it's a weird thing that we do now in life but like especially as anons i don't know like this is not my first rodeo you know obviously i'm not obviously not yours as well isn't it weird to think about like who you've been <laughs> i love it though and i love like when you get to a point like years later decades later or whatever and you realize that this person who is now just like a normal like 
even if you don't know them in real life, but you see them on Instagram all the time, like, you know, their real name and their real face. And you're like, holy shit. Like I met that person on Tumblr like 15 years ago. That's weird. Like, okay, wait, I'm so curious though. Like what's, I would love to talk about like our internet origin stories. And I'm so curious about yours. <laughs> I, origin, I don't even know how I could, I don't know. Well, it's funny when you were just mentioning everything you did with Gossip Girl, I was doing that just a few years ago with like Real Housewives. I was in like a, I mean, there was a moment where the Real Housewives fandom went like, <laughs> I don't know, it kind of like, I don't know, maybe you even observed this, like Real Housewives kind of became a thing, like girls, like even like your age started to watch. Like, it became like a thing and it was like, oh, coastal elite girls and like gays were like watching gossip or like watching Housewives. It wasn't just for like, I don't diehards. It kind of went mainstream. It kind of became internet culture a little bit. Was, was this on Twitter? Like, was this on an earlier incarnation of your Twitter? Oh, this was like, oh, my government fucking name on facebook because okay i don't <laughs> i so i'll tell you this, this is a little bit of lore i was in the, the thunderdome and people out there may know what this is it got a little bit crazy but the housewives basically there was a podcast um called bitch sesh it's kind of famous it's like um these like comedians it's like one of these like uh earwolf podcasts so it's like kind of mainstream uh commie podcast they're talking about housewives it blew up it was pretty successful they started a facebook group it had like 10 or 50,000, 100,000. I know it's a huge group. But when Donald Trump got elected, a rift began. Long story short. Wait, so you got like banned, like your group got banned from Facebook? Well, no, we got kicked out of the group, which actually ended up like systematically literally shutting itself down over the Trump thing a few weeks later because they, they couldn't <laughs> resolve their, their fighting. Um, the Thunderdome went on to many more really crazy, really, really crazy campaigns. Uh, I won't get into now other than like the way it all ended when I knew I had a problem was my sister texted me one day and um, was like, are you being cyberbullied in a Southern charm? <laughs> no, it was a like, Vanderpump rules. <laughs> <It's different laughs> right now. And I was like, Yes, because at the moment I actually was at work, but I was also being simultaneously cyberbullied by these like crazy women in this like Vanderpump Rules group that I was like trolling. It was like out of control, and like her friend like was in that group, and we had met and talked about housewives before at a party. This is out of control. I can't believe I'm still talking about this. But anyway, she um saw me and was like concerned for my safety and well being because of the pile on that I was receiving and the thorough dragging which was taking place, and texted my sister and was like, "I think your brother is being." cyberbullied i mean this is i'm I, this is i am not i'm probably proud of this but was being cyberbullied in the facebook group i held my own i was fine but it was a little embarrassing and i realized like i looked at my phone it had five thousand screenshots of like <laughs> facebook groups it was like out of control it was all the behavior you've seen it before the leaks the, the you know i'm sure so that's one glimpse and that was not origin that was literally 2017 <laughs> I love that so much. I'm obsessed with this lore. <laughs> oh my goodness. I will I that and we maybe I'll go back. Maybe each time we meet, we can go back uh, one chapter further. I <laughs> have so much lore. Like my lore is oh, like bottomless. Lore. Bottomless. Well, yeah, just tell me about it. I feel like, yeah, no, we both could probably fill out like three aliens easily. Like we <laughs> like we have, I feel um absolutely just the internet alone, you know, and that's not even the you know, the IRL escapades. I'm sure we both could uh, reach out. <laughs> um, but Shant, at this moment for doxing purposes, perhaps. Um, wait, tell me, like, um, like, how old were you when you like, got online, though? Like, how, like, were you, like, yeah, what, what's your earliest, just, like, what was, like, the vibe? Not necessarily, like, what group were you in? Um, yeah, so my origin story for being a poster came after. But I think, I think I started posting when I was, like, 12, but which was in, I don't know, when was I 12, like 2004 or something. But anyway, um, 
No, prior to that, I was like, I remember, do you remember those books, like a dummy's guide to like whatever? And I'm pretty sure like we had one of those and it was like a dummy's guide to like Windows 95 or something. Oh yeah, snap. Oh my God, memory unlocked. We had that shit like in the 90s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yellow, and, the yellow and black, right? Yes, yes. It was like this huge book. It was like the fucking yellow pages of like the internet. Oh my gosh. And I remember, I think that was like my first time on the internet. It was probably like 1999 or something. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I remember just like playing like weird games on the internet. And like, there was this one game that I really liked that was like, I, I remember nothing about it other than it was like bats in a cave and you had to like go to different rooms, like different caves in this massive cave, but it had like rooms in it. And like, if you went into a certain room, you would die. And I remember being really scared by it. And then there was like another game that I was into that was like a Freddy Krueger game. And that one was really scary too. Like Freddy Krueger would come and like slash your face and like, yeah. I feel like that was like my first internet stuff was like just playing weird computer games. <laughs> the bat cave thing sounds really terrifying and like, I don't know, potentially, I know everything involving bats now goes back to COVID for me. So I'm like, oh, okay, okay. oh my God. Yeah. Like this was where the conspiracy started. They were seeding it in. <laughs> it is. It's predictive programming. I don't know. I did have, like feature thesis. I was like a film studies like, major or whatever. And it was on like virtual space. Oh, I'm sorry. It was a film in like digital media because it was like digital media. And and like virtual spaces but i am really fascinated by just like how our minds like even now you probably can remember like some of the like mappings or the places you were in these like fictional virtual spaces it's it is like something very unique it's not the same as a real memory you know i totally agree yeah i find it all so fast i just love like the aesthetic of the early internet and yeah i don't know i mean like it's weird to me as well even i remember reading something once that said like in your dreams technology can't like it's not like reflected as it is in real life it's almost like refracted in some way so say you're like on twitter or texting or something in your dream there will be something that's like off about it and often i've noticed that's the case like if i like look at my phone in a dream like my it's like kind of illegible or there's like there's just something weird about it but i also one thing that's i've noticed i'm like oh my god i'm terminally online i need to like touch grass is like I dream about Twitter so much and I'm like fuck like I will have these dreams that like I've accidentally like left my like Cassandra account logged in in front of like one of my IRL like friends or family and they're like what is this and like or like I'll dream yeah. that I like doxed myself on the timeline like I accidentally posted my full name or something <laughs> that seems like a uh, anxiety I guess of just like a crisis of not crisis of identity is maybe strong but I'm gonna say crisis of like identity between virtual and IRL maybe that's like a little existentialism maybe is kicking in in the brain that could be driving those dreams but the dreaming about Twitter is funny because I I dreamed about back last night <laughs> <laughs> like I shouldn't even admit that it wasn't even weird it was just that like I think he like read my tweet or said so it was just like in my dream and it was weird because I just remember just like it was you're right it wasn't like I didn't I wasn't in my phone it was just like a billboard or something it was just like yeah. that likes you or whatever <laughs> so, of course, I, mean, I am currently followed so it's always possible just no big deal but anyway like that is funny because I think uh, I do have a lot of dreams about the internet I guess too <laughs> you mentioned it really when I was in that Facebook drama though that was like yeah actually now that I mentioned you mentioned it like that was when it was really imprinted so maybe have you ever had dreams about like your Twitter mutuals who you don't know what they look like like I've had that so many times before I ever like docs with anyone 
Like yeah. when I was like, even like a year ago, I mean, I still do with like people that I'm, you know, mutuals with, but haven't docs or whatever. I will, they will like show up in my dream, but like as an IRL person, but I like know that it's them somehow it's weird. It's like, you, it's like, you're just like picking up on their vibe and like assigning them like a corporeal form. No, absolutely. It's, it's weird. It's even, there's this like space between like um, dream and like memory where it's just like, when I was even thinking about wanting to do like this podcast and I was just like, what would it be? And like, there was just people that kept coming back to me. I was like, I need to talk to this. I was like, I need to talk to this person. I need to talk to this person. And it's so weird because it was like, who is, and in my mind, it would be like, who is this person? It's like a scarecrow or it's like, I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. Like it's weird, like, um, like just like Frankenstein creature of like some text stripped together with like some weird, like ab- abbeys, you know, some default photos and maybe a few glimmers of a memory you saw of their like their pictures they posted of like their like you know the side of their sunglasses or something like that (laughs) yeah I I just think it's so interesting like psychologically to like think about like the way that you know obviously the human brain like you know did not adapt or evolve or whatever like to to be so terminally online the way that we are and like we're like the first generation that's ever been terminally online like that wasn't a thing before and so it's just so interesting that it's like like, I feel like the way that our brains try to assign almost like analog forms to the people that we interact with online. And of course they are real people, but it's just, it's just so funny the way that the brain does that. It's like, no, we're going to make this normal in your dream. Like the internet's not real. And like, <laughs> we're almost like pseudo normal though. Cause it's almost like a, a new version of a person. It's it's interesting. Cause as you're saying that I'm like, oh yeah, this is like, they're a person without a body. You're like, what did, like, what is a person? <laughs> and almost, you know, it's like, what makes it like, who, like, yeah, what makes a person? And it's kind of just really interesting to, 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 I guess, like ponder what a person is without their form, I guess. Cause like, is AI a person then? Could AI be, a, could AI become personhood? I don't know, you know, if it became sophisticated enough, like, like not the current fake AI, but like theoretically, I guess, like, could it be assigned like identity? I don't know. Yeah, no, I feel like it's like a rabbit hole to go down like psychologically. And yeah, I don't know. It's just so funny to me how many times I've dreamed about Twitter. I wake up and I'm like, what are you doing, bitch? What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you may need to touch grass. It may be like that or like swamp or whatever they have like in. No, there's yeah. grass, like, there's some grass that grows out of the swamp. I'll no. go touch that. <laughs> the way my YouTube guru explains it to me is that it's like, oh, you're like even like slowing down your brain for like a few seconds of the day like to do it if you even like meditate for like you you try for 10 minutes and you maybe like do a little bit of it for a minute and you actually are like meditating for like 15 seconds that's still better than not doing it at all because it's like giving your brain this time to just like pause and do do other things that it's already always doing because like when your brain pauses they're still doing other things because you exist it's really pretty crazy when you think about it and it's like oh it's like giving your and it's like well when you pause and it's doing all these other things that it's already already doing like that's like who you really are like who is that it's fucking weird and so that's like my billboard for meditation try it for 13 seconds a day I will. I need to try it because I literally just have never tried. And I I was saying this the other day after I listened to, I listened back to the pod that I did with like ball earth propaganda and like, I listened to it and I was just talking so fast and so manically. I was like, I sound like I'm on like a heavy dose of Adderall, but I'm not. And people have said that to me before. People have literally been like, 
oh, like you must be on stimulants. And I'm like, I'm not like, this is just who I am as a person. And so like, I feel like I'm a prime candidate for meditation. Now, this is my life because like, it's literally been my life. The only time I actually speak slowly and clearly is if I'm on stimulants, to be perfectly honest, like they, they actually do work on me because I actually am weirdly high strung and very like, uh, you know, I don't know. I just have a lot of abundance of energy. It's hard. It takes a lot of energy to go slow for me. I'm sure you like, maybe you can relate. And so I don't know, like I get that all the time too. I I've actually like, I think Q was concerned that I might actually be schizophrenic. I think people are wondering about neurological disorders. Like I, I do, I do um, have my, uh, oh my gosh, Campari soda. I couldn't even think of the name. I'm so brain dead. So I am like slightly, I guess, like I have like half of a, that's not even a real drink. That's like half of a drink. It's half of a, half of a drink going. So I guess this is how I am. This is the speed. This is why they invented the playback speed, I guess. Like, system. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm drinking a little glass of rosé. So solidarity. Um, yeah, I feel like maybe I need that to like mute my natural manic tendencies. <laughs> I don't know. It's just like... I do try. I do need to get better at the elocution. Like I'm seeing, like I'm seeing doctors downtown with like these like super psych- psychotronic weapons. I don't know. Like this is I'm part of a research study with these crystal laser technologies. I'm not supposed <laughs> to talk about it a lot. So we'll see if over time the elocution of the podcast does get better. But it is like um, you know, it's it's a lifelong struggle. And ultimately, I don't know. It's um it's you know, it's the vibe. Catch what you can. Catch I think we should lean in like we're like schizo posters like it's, it's okay for us to be like this this is who how, we are wait, how was um I, I haven't even listened to the okay so I've listened to the Q episode of BEP I listened to all the BEP episodes shout out BEP because I do enjoy them and I need to finish I like invited KB on the spot and we kind of talked about it and actually did not follow through as we were speaking of this I remembering although there's a significant I guess time zone difference neither here nor there how was your experience because that was i haven't listened yet but i love those guys oh my god i had so much fun i love them too me and kub have been mutuals for a long time and so i was like super stoked to finally go on the pod um yeah it was awesome same um, so i found you through kb actually i think because it yeah. makes the most sense i've been in mutual for like at least over a year i guess i'd say um I, and really he's got me through like hey his his like unwavering british like i don't know like stoicism has gotten me through like a year through just through his posting alone like sheer like i do not know this man but like look up to him as a like <laughs> mother slash father slash king because it's just he comes from england so yeah. <laughs> you know and so like i just um him and like that steve do you know steve 77 i like don't even know how to this is another person i can't quite describe what they're oh like. no yeah no i love his account yeah <laughs> Those guys are just like the greatest. And I feel, uh, yeah, he's I, like a goat poster for sure. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm really annoying. Like, I like every single one of his <laughs> posts. And I'm like, I don't usually reply to people on Twitter other than like my close mutuals who I'm like friends with. But yeah. I'm like a reply girl for 77 yeah. Steve's. And I'm like, he must be so annoyed. Like, why is Cassandra commenting? <laughs> like I hope not. I, I doubt. I think he's probably, I mean, I feel like he's probably a busy guy. He's got his brain cooking up all these hilarious fucking tweets and just like nailing it, just fucking nailing it every time and so like i almost feel bad like i don't want to bother him sometimes i'm just like yeah. i'm a nuisance anti but i'm exactly <laughs> the same and it's probably twice as creepy when i do it so like same boat sister on that one for sure yeah i feel like it's kind of humbling for me like as an e-girl i have a lot of reply guys and you know it's nice i you know shout out to my reply guys 
but I'm like, you know, I have to be a reply girl sometimes too, just so I know what it's like. You know, I, 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 I can't get too cocky. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. You, yeah. You embrace duality. And I think that's important in, in a person. It's dark out there sometimes, you know, you just, you really gotta, you relate to the homies, you know, they vibe. No, I needed that. Like I needed that sincerity on Twitter during 2021, especially because that was when I was like, I I talked about this a little bit on BEP, but I'll like touch on it. Like I was in the UK and it was in like, we were in lockdown for a very long time and I was surrounded by libs. Everyone in my life was a lib. And like the few people that I tried to share my views with were not happy with them and ended up like radicalizing them more on the lib side. Like they like in, in like response to me, like they're like, Oh no, you're crazy. Like whatever. (laughs) Yeah. I just felt so insane and so alienated. And like, obviously there was like this temptation to, to blue pill myself, which obviously is impossible. Cause like, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. But obviously there was this temptation where I was like, God, like, why can't I just be normal? But I didn't want to be normal, but I just felt so isolated. And Twitter was like, I know it sounds cringe, but it was literally my saving grace, like finding all of these people, finding KB and then you and kind of everyone in our current like little corner of Twitter. Like, I don't know. I was like, you're my friends and my phone. And like, if I didn't have that, I don't know what the hell I would have done. Because especially when I moved back to the US, like I literally moved here. I didn't know anyone. I lost my job because of the vaccine mandate. And I was just like going through it, but I was like, at least I have like my friends on the computer who I can shit post with and shit posting will get me through. <laughs> oh, it's so well said. I think so relatable. And I feel like yeah, shout out BEP boys. I'm glad you were there. Did you ever go to trash? Was trash a thing still then? Cause it's funny. I'll say this. Indie sleaze is like uh, the gen, like the kid sister brother to like electro clash, which is like my era. Like I was a, Electro Clash Pack Pioneer, I guess we'll say this this project really did start in those sweaty heydays of like, you know, of like places like Club Trash and in the UK and this like place called Club Fake in San Francisco that just serendipitously discovered that like Spendio Williams also was a veteran of it, which was a really weird coincidence because just of the nature of the like project, literally me handing out zines in like this like sweaty disco like club with these like stupid black and white copies of my dumbass zine like on the dance floor to people like it's so weird that we could have met each other doing that and then she'd be I love that so much it's like destiny it's like the red thread of fate like we were all destined to intersect at some point it was just it wasn't the time and but no I I've never been to club trash where is that I don't even remember exactly. It was Errol Alkin. It was always Shoreditch, I think. Or it was near Shoreditch. Oh, yeah. I love Shoreditch. I, yeah. When I first moved to London, I lived in East London. And I was a big block party fan, which is kind of cringe of me. I I I love block party. Did you know he was like that song? It's he's gay or whatever. I did not yeah. know. He was, I did not see them as queer coded or quote unquote gay coded at all at the era. I think he like identifies as bi, but like yeah, <laughs> but, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, literally. It's the song but, um, love, and it's uh, which one was it? Was it? Not five more, three, there's two more years, two more years. That's I love that underrated. song. Underrated, but banquet of course. I think banquet's about like. I don't remember now. It was like, I just like, oh no, it. it's I still remember, which is like their queer code. Yes, that's, that's the cool. <laughs> yeah, that's when the block party jumped the shark. Yeah, the, yeah, totally. I like love all block party, but my block party take is that their B sides are way better than their album tracks. Mm-hmm. And so, like, someone made like a compilation album on youtube of all the b-sides from another or from a weekend in the city and it's called another weekend in the city and it's way better than the album i'm like 
Pele just like doesn't know how to pick songs to go on the album. Like he just picks the worst songs. And it's like, you know, I still like them because I'm a Black Party fan. But yeah, no, their B-sides and their deep cuts are so much better. But there was like this one song. I think it was from A Weekend in the City. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. After like one glass of wine, I like have no brain cells. But it was like the lyric. Oh, it's Song for Clay, which is after Less Than Zero, Disappear Here. And it says, uh, like, East, East London is a vampire. It sucks the joy right out of me. And yeah. I moved to East London in 2012, and I would, like, listen to it all the time while walking around Shoreditch. Like, I was so cringe. <laughs> uh, no, it's, that's what you, no, it's not cringe. That is, cringe, fuck cringe. Throw it out the window. That's lit. That's Kino, actually. You were living life. You were, you were soundtracking. It was perfect. I feel like, um. That, like, I'm, I'm in a movie. I'm walking around Shoreditch. <laughs> life should be a movie every moment of your life. If you if it isn't, you're actually literally not living correctly. But, or you don't understand cinema, which is very possible. You know, no one understands cinema quite like I do and it was like it was kind of like the birth of EDM really came out of like all this indie sleaze stuff I feel like and that was the successor to this like 2002 to 2005 I would say era yeah yeah I would say like 2002 2003 even it kind of it fizzled out quickly Electro Clash was a flash in the pan because it was like ridiculous but it was really just about having fun and dancing and still being like cool or whatever like rock and roll or whatever you know not being like because at the time before that like it was like if you were into dance music you were like a raver that was like your thing and it was like fucking different matrix it was not really intersecting very much and it was not a lot of songs with lyrics and it was like very serious a lot of very serious boring guys frankly like really kind of ruined that scene and so like electro clash and which was a dumb name when it started happening i was there and it was like before it had the name you know what i mean and it was just like uh what is this they're making up this thing and it felt really uncomfortable and like that's why i started kind of like my project back in the day was like as like a like backlash against like the marketization of just like this cool vibe that was happening or whatever but then also Andy sleaze now retroactively i feel like is that's being repackaged because you did not call it that right at the time no definitely not i don't know if it even had a name at the time it was just like indie it was like hipster like i don't know it was just kind of that have a name you know yeah i don't know but yeah that was like that was me back in the day i but i was never a big clubber like i i went sometimes um i went to a, a forest rave in devon once in the uk which is like in the west countryside of the uk that was an experience it was weird i did way too much mdma and I remember I was like sitting in the back of a car and I was like talking to a friend and I would like say like the second half of a sentence and they'd be like, what? And I would think that I said the whole sentence, but like, no, I only said the second half of it. I was just making no sense. And then the the forest rave, it was like one of those crazy ones that like, it's like secret, right? So like you have to be on some sort of like mailing list to find Mm -hmm. out like where it is. And then the cops came and it was like a whole thing. It was an experience. I'm glad I went to one. That was the only rave that I've ever been to. If that's the only rave you go to, A, being in the UK in a forest, like fucking legit. That's impressive. So I love it. And I uh, I approve that. I approve your rave experience because um, <laughs> there's some, yeah, there's some horrible, horrible raves out there, um, especially, yeah. Now, it's weird to me how legitimate it is nowadays, really, just because like in the like late 90s, in high, when I was in high school and like in college in the 2000s, it was very much, I would say like, yeah, until about 2005 or six, I don't think it was like even that legit. Like it was not a licensed thing. 
like why we were going to places in Santa Cruz in like 1999 and 2000 that were like in weird warehouses and then in like Oakland there was oh there was this place called the International Rave Center I don't know how it worked exactly because it was a large commercial warehouse that was like the International like Trade Center or Oakland Trade Center and they changed the sign when there was parties that said Oakland Rave Center I don't mm-hmm. understand because like thousands of people must have gone to these things but they were not like legit and then at some point like uh like I was working in like the concert kind of industry and they, like raves became legit and I was so shocked by that first of all but it was like when it kind of happened hand in hand with like edm obviously blowing up like fun there was like a market kind of in place for it i guess anyway it was just interesting to watch that change you're not even a clubber i don't know why i'm boring you (laughs) no i mean i've like been to a few but yeah i was never i never got into the whole like edm scene i always found it kind of annoying to be honest i'm like a i'm like a classic indie girl like i like indie music and lyrics and like you know and that's why like this was the vibe because like the whole it and it's a continuum it's a continuum throughout history there's the mainstream edm people they've always been there since disco they're like yeah man and it's like annoying and big and bland and then there's like there's a little river that runs through history of these like disaffected like weirdos and artists that do dancing right and that is like what like, the electric clash thing was it's like kind of this quote-unquote indie sleaze it's just, like people who yeah feel like like lyrics first of all yes you're totally right I, mean, like, fun, fun. I don't know without being yeah without although you referenced the chain smokers recently like without being the chain smokers but also like no shade to the chain smokers i kind of love them <laughs> yeah like i just feel like they're they're just pop music at this point you know what i mean so like i i can't say no to like a good pop hook My my dad today was literally my dad knows that I have a Twitter. He doesn't know my handle or anything. But we were talking because I was like talking about this job that I'm potentially gonna get, but not sure about. Whatever I've been tweeting about it, as you know. And I was like, I don't know. I want to have like time to do my writing. And you know, if I get this job, I might not have time to do my writing. And my dad was like, Don't you stay up until two every night tweeting? (laughs) Fuck, like call me out, dad. I feel like your dad fucking should get on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> fucking Cassandra's dad on Twitter. Like have his own special thing. And cause like someone needs to police these hoes out here. These bro hoes out here who are like, just kidding. You do have a lot of reply guys. I won't shame them. I actually, I monitor your reply guys with a very careful eye as like a kind of, as like a proxy for your father who can't be there. So shout out to Cassandra's dad. Who house has it on lock at the moment? Um, oh, we're evaluating the options, we're advising, and things are looking good. And so, what I'm, gonna, I'm just going to put that out there. Things are looking good. But um, you, how do you deal with like reply guys as an e girl? Like you love it and hate it, right? <laughs> yeah, there was like one reply guy that I had once, and he was really nice. Like I don't even really think he was hitting on me. I think he was just a bit socially weird. Mm-hmm. Um, like he, I, I wasn't even the only person he was replying to, but he just replied to me so much like to the point where like I would be anxious to post because I knew that he would reply to every post and I was like I can't do this on every post and it's not like that he would like the post he would like comment on every post 
and it would be like within seconds like literally like i would put like i feel like he must have had like notifications on or something (laughs) because i would like post and like literally like not even like half a second later like there would be a comment and i i eventually i feel really bad i soft blocked him because i was like I can't have these comments anymore. No, yeah, you have to. It's not yeah. appropriate to respond to every person's post unless you like are. are well, we didn't like know each other like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I feel exactly. like I comment a lot on like your post or like, you know, I comment on a lot of people's posts exactly. too, but like it's different. He was probably like a little autistic, I guess. And I think so. Which yeah. is, I mean, which I guess maybe here's some positive pro social thing we can do. Like, what's the right amount of replies to leave an e girl like per post? I mean, I, I don't mind, like, I like most of the people that reply on my posts and I wouldn't even like, like, I'll, I'll call them reply guys, like affectionately, but like, usually people are like saying pretty wholesome stuff. Like they're not like, let's fuck or anything, you know? Um, so like, you know, I'm posting because I want to have a dialogue. So if people are commenting, that's great. But yeah, if you have like notifications on and you comment on every single one of my posts within two seconds flat, that might be like a little extreme. (laughs) But we're working with autists here. So let's give them a metric. Uh, it's, Every Cassandra post, maybe like one out of four, is that too many replies? Like, let's give a rate. One out of four, one out of five. Maybe one out of every five you should reply to. Yeah. Pretty frequently. It's still robust opportunities (laughs) for conversation without really, I feel like, burning you out. Can we negotiate a one in five post? I think, yeah. Yeah, I can co-sign that. Okay, thank you. You've heard it here. We've I'll adjudicate this too. I'll be enfor- I'll be enforcing. <laughs> yeah, you can start like penalizing people. Like it's like you know, like you have strikes on your Twitter account. Like that's their first strike. <laughs> I don't think I need to. I think people just need these. You know what? Honestly, I feel bad for reply guys that are like that or incels because I feel like there is so much uh, like just like lack of any clarity in terms of like like social like rules like functions like it's especially now in this new normal where like we don't encourage people to spend time around each other ever so it's kind of like i don't know there's no playbook for a lot of people a lot of like i think these like quote-unquote incels are just like really need some guidance that they're being deprived of on purpose of course by the way by people who want to destroy western civilization but i feel (laughs) like it's just really sad because i i think like giving them like a number like that bingo it works you know what i mean i i think there could be results i think they just need discipline <laughs> yeah i agree and i mean obviously everyone's so atomized these days anyway and then like us having like problematic quote-unquote opinions just makes it worse so i do feel like you know some people they get onto this side of twitter and i mean i'm even like this to an extent right like i get parasocial relationships with everyone because i'm like i don't know anyone cool in real life like i've been known to yearn posts like sometimes i yearn post on the tl and i'm like this is embarrassing but whatever like i stand by it being like i wish i knew you guys in real life because like no one in real life is as fun and interesting as you you know but is that are we fun and interesting because we're not in real life there's the flip to it i guess i don't think so i think (laughs) i think it's because like obviously we can just be like super open with each other and I don't know. It's not, not to say that like all, like someone commented on my my post one time and was like acting like I have such a superiority complex. And I think I'm so much better than everyone in real life. And it's like, no. Okay. First of all, I'm sure that there are (laughs) some people in real life who, you know, are hiding their opinions from me because they don't know about mine or what, I mean, I drop hints all the time. So it'd be kind of crazy if they're not picking up on it at this point. Um, But yeah, like a, a lot of people just you know, don't go there. A lot of people just want to like go along to get along and that's fine. Like that's their prerogative. But 
unfortunately I'm way too like schizo for that. And I'm like constantly like needing to overanalyze things. And so I feel like I found my people with like all these other freaks online. And you know, (laughs) when I, I, I I was saying this the other day to someone, maybe on some pod or maybe it was in real life. I don't know. But like, so my best friend in real life is like, just like us. And she was actually the one who got me onto Twitter to begin with. She's no longer on Twitter. She had a baby and she was like, fuck this. Like I'm going to like live in the real world now, but she got me onto Twitter and with her, it's always been like amazing, like, like this, like, like the friendships that I've had online, it's always mm-hmm. been like that. Like we just will discourse, but we'll also gossip. Like we are just so open with each other. And I feel like when you know that you have common ground with someone and you know that you see the world in the same schizo, like dissident way that they do. And like, you know, you have the same framework of understanding that everything's like fake and gay and like whatever. <laughs> If if you have that same framework, then you don't need to even beat a dead horse. Like you don't even need, like, it's not like she and I talk about COVID all the time. I mean, sometimes we will, sometimes we'll talk conspiracies or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's almost just like having this like shared understanding that's kind of in the background. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, yeah, like, Mm -hmm. because all of us kind of have the same shared understanding, I think that's a good foundation for friendship. Mm -hmm. I mean, I worry sometimes about you know, going on all these pods or starting my own pod or posting too much because I'm like, am I oversaturating and like losing my mystery? And people will realize, oh, like they liked my post at first, but now they're like, oh, actually she's fucking annoying now that I've gotten to know her. <laughs> you know? I I don't know. I think it's all, it's all micro posting in a way. So I think there's, yes, there's definitely a uh, way to oversaturate, but no, I don't think you're at risk of it currently would be my advice. Mm-hmm. I think that what you're speaking to is interesting because it makes me realize how um, much of a schism, like the realignment that's like, I call it the realignment, sometimes like this force that came and just like shook a bunch of people up up and we're like well we can't do like this system anymore and like really like even really you woke up people even people like i like i was aware to a lot of these uh things but really just grounded us all really collectively in the realness of it because it was very abstract to me all these concepts of new world order like all these agenda 21 like all these things i was very well aware of jay going back to jfk anything like all these conspiracy theories i was informed of but the I know the realness of it happened at one point. It became, and it was a, it was like, bing, a switch went on. And it's like, shit, this is fucking real. Real, 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 real. And I think it happened for a lot of people. And it's like that realignment happened. And it took people from like out of all these different pockets and put them all like together. And what it means is actually like, to me, it's like, wow, that schism is so wide that it's difficult for us to function with like quote unquote the normies like in the way that i want to be dramatic about it but it is kind of true in a sense where it's like well we really as humans need these like connections and here we are like looking for them we do need to like kind of network in a different way that's not uh like immediate to us in our, our surrounds you know yeah and i think about it a lot like i i can handle having like normie friends and stuff i mean i don't find it super fulfilling all the time but as long as i have my friends who are not normies and then my normie friends like I can do both. That's fine. But I think where I draw the line at this point, and I've thought about this a lot is like in a romantic relationship. I don't think that I could be in a romantic relationship at this point with someone who like, I, I refer to it and I don't think I coined this, like a, plenty of people say this, but like a mixed reality relationship, I can't be in a mixed reality relationship. <laughs> like like <laughs> I've been in them and it didn't work. And it just becomes so alienating because there's so many topics that are essentially off limits. And if you're in like an intimate relationship with someone, 
you need to have that shared understanding. And like I said, even like, you know, with me and my friend, how like we have the shared understanding, so we don't need to talk about it all the time. We know that it's there. It's the same thing. Like, it's like, if I come home from like a long day of work or whatever, and I'm pissed off and I just want to like make an offhand comment about something that might be like a culture war issue, but I don't want to go down the rabbit hole. I just want to like make a little joke and have my partner like get what I'm saying rather than have it turn into a debate. (laughs) Like, you know what I mean? And so uh, that's kind of where I landed on with that. And obviously that means like, obviously I, I would not date a lib. I could maybe be like friendly with a lib, but I couldn't date one. But I, even at this point, like I struggle with just like normies who are kind of apolitical. And sometimes people say, and it, again, not that I want to talk about politics all the time. I just want that shared understanding, but people will say, oh, it's okay. Just find a nice normie and red pill him. Well, I don't know. I've tried it before. Like I said, I tried to red pill someone before it backfired. It made it way worse between us. Blue pilled them more, drove us further apart. So I'm kind of like, no, at this point, you need to already be red pilled. Yeah. It's not going to work. <laughs> you need that shared understanding. No, it's not even because like the exact, you put it really well. Like it's like, you don't want us to like go down a whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there is actually a case for like having mixed reality because of my poor partner, because like I, it takes two minutes of me watching Stephen K. Dannon's program and I am ranting for 45 minutes. Like I cannot <laughs> shut up about this shit. And so I guess like there is maybe a case for it, but uh, it, mostly like you like want to be able to just like say something and just like, yeah, let off that steam and move on. I think that if you're in a mixed reality relationship, it almost makes you obsess about these things more because you're trying to get through to your partner. So it's like, you'll see something that pisses you off or something that's stupid and say you're in a shared reality relationship. You can just make a little joke about it. Like I can say a quippy thing. That's almost like something I would tweet and they'll (laughs) laugh. And it's like, then we move on. Whereas if you say something Mm -hmm. to your partner who doesn't agree with any of that, then it turns into a debate or I noticed that I would like, I would be constantly like looking at things online being like, oh, I I can show this person this and this will show them. Like, you know what I mean? Or I'll show them this. And so like, it made me more obsessed with everything, not less because I was like, oh my God, how, like, you know, like how, what can I do to make you see my reality? And I don't think that that's healthy for either person. So I kind of, yeah, just came to the conclusion that it's like, no, I I just need to laugh about it. I need to have a partner who I can laugh about it with. I don't need to be angry all the time. I don't need to be triggered all the time. I just need to laugh. And that's also why I'm like, I need someone who like thinks that my Twitter is funny. Not someone who's like, why is she constantly stoking the flames of the culture wars? <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter does pay us a little bit to do it. So we have to do it sometimes, but like, yeah, <laughs> it, like reply guys, be funny and get into, don't one out of five tweets be funny, don't be a fucking libtard, and you might have a shot. Like, and, you know, there might be a few other criteria too, but we'll, you know, let's just, we'll, we'll call the herd a little bit that way, I think. Um, I'm glad that we can provide this service to people. Like, speaking of culture wars, by the way, I did, we do need to, so we actually are contractually obligated to stoke those, and so I feel like we should talk yes. a little bit about some <laughs> some horrible people let's bash those trainings that's that's my segment i will cut this out hopefully oh my god please don't i love it (laughs) it would be like i don't know i I said tranny basher like repeatedly on multiple episodes it does sound like i don't mean any 
violence or ill will to anybody. Obviously, like, no, we're just talking about bashing in a catty way, like in a verbal way. In a catty way. I could see how that could be taken out of context and used <laughs> against me in a court of law, and that's why this is parody <laughs> and uh, satire and auto fiction. Obviously, all those things <laughs> are happening simultaneously. Um, but I guess yeah, let's, let's bash some. T- I'm sure for <laughs> me, so, like my door is closed, but I am sure the producer, uh, my, my at home producer, heard me screaming that it is probably writing down a time. Really, you need to cut out the part where you scream that um no i mean no it will truly like i would never i would never judge an individual on like any individual criteria of who they are but i will judge an entire group of people for what they are <laughs> unfortunately it's just how it has to be sometimes no no hate to any person though because it's like yeah it's all love Unless you're part of a group. They're part groups we don't like. We love individuals, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Cassandra, we're going to talk, I guess, about... Um, do you want to recap what we uh, what we watched uh, today? Sure, yeah. So Dylan Mulvaney was invited to uh, Rockefeller Center to celebrate his 365th day of being a girl. Amazing. You know, because he's like, what? Like, an adult. So, of course, he's a girl. But he's anyway... um and yeah he just like kind of pranced around on stage wearing a dress and being incredibly hyperbolic and overacting as usual and then he like showed a bunch of clips of like people criticizing him and then pretended to cry (laughs) in this like really fake way and was like i'm just trying to be myself and like god loves me for who i am i just like you know i hope god can love me and then he's saying like a really bad rendition oh, no. running up that hill by kate bush which really upset me because that song is so overexposed anyway because of yes. things. and i am a big kate bush fan i was kate bush for halloween like years ago and i just feel like now i'm like I, i'll never be able to listen to that song the same again. it's been so destroyed well wait which kate bush were you were you babushka <laughs> no i was um Oh crap! What's uh, what's like the one with the red dress? Oh, I don't know. I like I, I forget the know, name. Like, was like or like you're not you weren't um you weren't Cloud Busty though. You weren't um Wilhelm Reich's son, were you? I love when she's Wilhelm Reich's son and she like um uh what you call it? Wait. I'll look this up. You know, have you seen the cloud list? You oh, Wuthering Heights. Why? Well, how oh, am I? Like, oh, yeah. yeah. It's just like a literary one. It just kind of seems like you, you might have known it, but it's again, like you were in the wrong timeline for a moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm back like, now. I was like distracted by Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> it's a big, it's a, it's a mind virus. So you should, yeah. Um, okay. So wait, hold on. Um, Kate Bush's Running Up That Hill is so overexposed. I hate that it's been like transcoded somehow. I don't think that, well, the song is really interesting. It's a, Okay, I also think like I accidentally brought that back because I started really like listening to that <laughs> again, like heavily rotation. Like I would say like 2021 when I was like walking up a bunch of hills and I really like thought it was novel <laughs> to like run up the hills, like like listening to that. And I was like, oh, you know, this song really strikes me. I didn't know that she'd actually like produced the entire thing. I wasn't like a huge Kate Bush person who's like familiar with her, but not like um like intimately knowledgeable, I guess, about her like ins and outs of her her career, I guess. And so I was like, wow, she's really impressive. Um, I, got, I came to her because of like the Wilhelm Wright connection that she has with this video, Cloud Busty, which is interesting. Um, but she has that song. Why? I get that it's transcoded, I guess. It's like a deal with God. We're going to change places. But to me, I I think she's talking about a lot more. She's a She's a warlock. She's not talking about your petty struggles. No. Yeah, I used to do the same thing. I used to like on my way home, uh, like when I would bike home from work in my previous city, 
would like bike up a hill and I'd be like, I'm biking up that hill. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I'm turning on the light in my um in my home. I'm distracted just for a moment, but I am listening. I feel like do you I don't know. Do you think I don't know. Yeah, we don't have to talk about Kate It's a huge diversion, but it is. <laughs> the rendition was quite off, key. like, I guess off key. It was it was not great. I actually saw a video recently of him practicing, I guess, for this occasion. Um, I don't know. When I first, someone posted this the other day. I mean, it was the day before yesterday or yesterday. I just saw, like, the it was a red carpet for this event. It was, like, 365 Dylan Mulvaney and he was in front of like the step and repeat or whatever like he's doing the whole like red carpet event they're taking pictures and it's like what is this and I was terrified that he had like a Netflix like documentary or something which I'm oh, sure that's coming like that's yeah. coming I guess they were for like day like 500 maybe for that I, I don't know 500 days the thing that I don't get about this is like how do libs even buy this because it's so astroturf and it is so obviously I mean he's an actor and so obviously he's acting and he's overacting it's very obvious that this is all just like it's almost camp like yeah mm-hmm. like yeah. it's like how how do, and I remember when I first saw like his first video which was like day one of being a girl and it was just like a TikTok mm-hmm. um I thought it was obviously comedy like I thought it was satire and yeah. I genuinely think that I could be wrong but I genuinely think that he intended it as satire but it blew <laughs> up a bunch of overly sincere libs thought it was real and he was like fuck yeah here's my like ticket to stardom and like just like grifted it and now he's like committed to the bit we had a real civilization we'd have a hilarious comedy about something exactly like this because it's so fitting but we're not allowed to talk about it even though you're right it's so obvious anyone watching it he also gave me the vibe of a bad person i was watching i was like regardless of what he is saying now he seems so self-serving and narcissistic and just yes gross so insincere like it like dripping with insincerity with like this faux sincerity and being like like basically like I am a good person I'm just trying to live my life and it's like oh my god like normal people don't talk about themselves like this trans or not and it's like oh my god and then I didn't actually watch it I only saw like clips on Twitter but I didn't press like the audio because I was like I can't deal with this but how he was on Drew Barrymore's like show and like yeah he's like sitting there and she's like on her knees like like basically like prostrating herself for him mm-hmm. and it's yeah obviously people were talking about how this is like a secular religion that people have to pledge allegiance to but the thing that got me about it and this is a slight side tab is she was totally my girl crush when she was like the teacher and donnie darko i thought she was like such a hot english teacher like assigning graham green i was like hell yeah like oh you gosh. can assign me anything you want like <laughs> <laughs> i know I have, I, it, it brings me pain to ever criticize Drew Barrymore. I like had a tweet about, she had something really weird. Oh, her masked audience. It was just like a clip of her show and she was like crying because she's like always crying or whatever. And the audience was like, it was weird. And it was just like, oh no, I'm sorry. Machine Gun Kelly was crying and she was comforting him and the audience was masked. And I was actually the one suffering the most of everybody. It was yes. really unfortunate, but it's hard to criticize her because she is like, I, I love Drew Barrymore as well as a person. I feel like she's obviously like, trapped in this horrible mk ultra hollywood sicko like she's as since a young child she's right like, yeah for sure for sure and now she's kneeling to a fake character woman face the version of herself and you said i guess like kind of religion which is true and i also think it's like 
I feel like they're starting to set this like bifurcated state almost. It feels like the beginnings of like a two tier system. And it's like, I don't know. I'm going to be talking to Basil about this in terms of the law because I think there's implications there. It's kind of chilling, but it's like weird imagery. It reminds me of George Floyd where there was like washing people washing like the feet of like black, like white, white rural people for some reason washing like black people's feet. I don't know if you ever saw those videos or like no. a Congress taking a knee like in their like weird like um, African <laughs> garb that they donned. I don't know. There's just this weird uh or you know where else you see it is like um servers are still masked like most functions and events especially like hollywood things you see on tv yeah and yeah there's just something that's like so overdone about it that's the thing like it's just like i just don't understand how people don't see how insincere it is or they do but it's politically expedient for them to pretend that it's not they're terrified and, to say anything. They're terrified to speak out because you can't. But like all the people that are like on stage with him and like going along with it and stuff, like they're also performing. And the fact that he literally got invited to the White House, like how is this not an op? Like it's clear, like this guy has been totally astroturfed into our lives. Like why should we care? But he's everywhere. <laughs> it's, oh my God, you're right. We shouldn't even be as bothered because it is, it's creepy that he was at the White House. I think that's, that is, is very weird and it kind of goes with um joe biden making these comments this week that it's like sinful what they're doing in like the south where they're denying like puberty blockers to kids and yeah it's, so like, why do they keep bringing up sin why do they keep bringing up god none of these people are actually religious you. but it's like all of a sudden dylan, dylan mulvaney's talking about god biden's talking about sins like what is going on here it's it literally it's like a new religion exactly but- exactly I it thought was- also, like, even though obviously, like, I'm like a notorious like turf. <laughs> I mean, I'm not. I'm not actually a rad person. I, I, I've been called. I've been called a turf. Um, <laughs> but despite that, like, when when Dylan Mulvaney got invited to the White House, I was like, isn't this offensive to like actual trans-identified individuals, like people who are like, you know, who believe that they're trans but aren't doing it in this really fake, offensive way? Like, I feel like if I if I were trans in some weird alternate universe and I saw Dylan Mulvaney being held up as like the face of my movement, I would- as a right wing podcast, we have to kind of like lend some credence to the fact there may not even be such a thing. I actually right. do think there's probably like 0.003 percent of people. I mean, there obviously are people who just throughout history, yes, have been like, I'm being more feminine. I'm living my life basically usually as a male as a female it's typically how i don't i don't all this bullshit it's like thousands of your ancient race that's the other thing they talk yeah, about yeah. Like it's like now it's becoming it's like we've been around for centuries was that in that dilemma one? it was it was they were like no i think they literally said thousands like, of years they said yeah, that trans people have been around the Boreans and they're back now and it's so fucking weird. and you're right the religion like even the ancient race it's like flipping everything back like almost like right-wing kind of like memes like flipping it through this like distorted fun house mirror and yet when he invoked god i like gasped i was like are you fucking kidding me you're gonna just talk about god right now like in what context is that even relevant this is nothing about any of this has been about anything but you you may think this is about trans rights it, even in the most like libtarded mentality you are right how could anyone see that and still be like oh this is about civil rights no this person is a delusional psychopath <laughs> yeah and it's weird to me that like now they keep invoking god that feels like a weird psyop because you know libs have been going on for decades now about like how they're atheists and you're like a chud if you have any spirituality or religion other than like maybe like astrology or something and it's- so it's like like now that they're trying to shoehorn god in i'm like what's the angle here like there's something fishy going on 
was um, that he did mention every single person from like the Daily Wire, which I don't really follow the Daily Wire media that much. Like I'm very picky about my like crazy right wing media. They're actually not crazy enough for me to be honest. Like I go, I go a little bit lower. I like a Stu Peters. I like a little bit on the well, low. Steve Bannon, Steve Bannon shows actually have been. Yeah, like if you have a platform, like I don't want you. You have to be like censored. It's, it's true. Yeah, because Steve Bannon, because of his like previous cancellation, even though he is a, a a top program, I guess kind of he's on the probably bigger tier than maybe Daily Wire. I don't know. I haven't really thought about like who's bigger than the other in that sphere. No, but- the Daily Wire are definitely like they're very middle of the road. They were showing the vaccine, like they can't be trusted. No, fuck them. And so, and they, but he did mention every single one. I was like, is this a country? Like Matt Walsh mentioned it like, ha ha ha. We're like, he mentioned every single one of us. But I was like, was that like, did you guys get a product placement? It was so weird that he did touch, like he played a clip from like every single, like one of their streamers or, or producers of content. It was weird. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely something fishy going on there too. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, I guess congratulations to Dylan Mulvaney on 365 days of pretending to be a little girl. It's, um, oh, <laughs> other weird thing. So Matt Walsh posted this video of him on, so Dylan Mulvaney was on Price is Right, like, three minutes ago when he was still not a girl he was a full-grown homosexual man and he exactly was exactly the same person <laughs> except he didn't have long hair and like his nose job or whatever which everyone said was facial feminization surgery bullshit i don't it was like a nose job like whatever anyway he could go back to be a man in a heartbeat it's like ridiculous that like, he wears it like a costume and you can see it in this price is right clip anyway that he's uh, it, it, he's changed nothing about himself except for this like appropriation of outward female appearance it's weird yeah that i think that's why like i don't know to me it just screamed satire like i genuinely i i like i said i could be wrong but when i first saw that video i genuinely was like i think he's joking and it's not like oh i thought he was joking but now i i realized that he no i still think he was joking at first <laughs> i feel like i now that you say this i'm thinking i remember seeing i don't think it was a day one one but after i'd already been familiar i have not been a, a dylan mulvaney fan since day one so i don't have the distinction i i'm just kidding i don't know did, did you really see him like when it was like literally day one did you actually no i i like found out about it way later but i just like looked back on like what the first one was and yeah like it was like him kind of saying all this like sort of quote-unquote offensive like you know like funny sexist jokes yeah. about women basically like you know oh now i can like I, I don't remember what any of this was this was now i can't drive ago. anymore yeah like yeah stuff like that yeah and <laughs> yeah no literally like it was all stuff like that so i was like okay so it's like a joke like he was just like making like funny sexist tropes about women but then like in the comments like half of the people were getting really mad at him for being sexist and the <laughs> other half were people being like so proud of you for like finding your truth and i feel like he had to lean in to appease both groups by being like oh no i'm like really a woman like i didn't mean to offend sorry i'm new to this <laughs> so i believe your theory 100 percent part of me now is wondering was it like a trial balloon to see like well what will people react like how far will people go with this i don't know anything's on the table because it's like any of these people that we talk about because they show up on our timeline five million times it's served to us from like there's no three networks anymore you know you don't have abc cbs fox or whatever like you did but we have like some kind of central media planning because like these people fucking turn up everywhere so whatever is going on with dylan mulvaney this is not an organic uh success story of a trans person no definitely not like same with like andrew tate like all of these people i'm like i would not have found out about them if it wasn't just like forced on my timeline by the algorithm like there is a reason why both of these people are being forced on my timeline and it's like to create this like opposing narrative 
And I started to realize that like the for you tab was just constantly serving me like the same, which is such a dumb realization. I'm like, you know, this for you tab is <laughs> strangely structured to like tell a narrative that's preset. It's like, yeah, the Twitter files are dropping every day, but it was kind of um, really telling. I was like, you know, these videos just like everyone gloms onto this shit. And it's like, don't quote tweet these videos anymore. If you've seen it three times, unless you really have something novel to say, like just reference it. We know what you're talking about. I've noticed myself being like psyoped by the for you tab before. Like I have noticed like I'll be scrolling and like I'll see something and I'll be like, uh, like I'm, I don't like that or I'm not interested in that. So I'll scroll past it. But then like the fourth or fifth time that I see it, I'm like, I got something to say. And it's yeah. like, like they've totally like they got me like they hijacked me. <laughs> I it is true because you have to give it because sometimes yeah and you really do I I told you this before like I don't have as many like you have thoughts sometimes I feel like I have thoughts but you really you crackle and it's it's admirable like you fire them thoughts out it's I, I love it. and so like you have like a hall pass in my mind you like just although I, I still say quote like, tweet the video just reference it because it's there's something about the like repetition of the imagery too it's not just like that we're talking about it and they're building a narrative but there's literally like an imprinting going on with this kind of like no I agree and you want to know what's crazy like i i rarely do the quote tweet it's like occasionally when i'll do something like this and every time that i i do it like i think this month like the only two times that i did it were like an andrew tate one it was the hulk hogan pussy video and then (laughs) um that stupid podcast about dating like that whatever podcast where like there's two creepy guys who invite like all these like zoomer girls onto the pod to like humiliate them whatever (laughs) We, we can talk about that, but like, basically I quote tweeted both of those and both of them were like some off the cuff thing. Like, I feel like my other tweets, even if they're like still shit post or whatever, like they're a little bit more thought out. Whereas these were literally like, I saw this thing, got annoyed and was like, what the fuck is this? And like, just like tweeted that. And I was like, I'll delete that later. Both mm-hmm. of those went viral. I mean, not like super viral, but like, you know, like 500 yeah. something likes and like retweets and stuff. And it's like, so literally it's not only are they my worst tweets, but they're also like quote tweets and that's what goes viral. And I'm like, okay, this is like totally like it's gamed. Yeah. Yeah. Algorithmic hijacking of our brains. <laughs> so you're totally, you're totally right. Cause I've noticed everyone quote tweets, they get more like traction for sure. And it's like, and it's almost like, yeah, they are, it's like predictive. You're becoming the AI, like a bot generator yes. for like, content farm. Or, like we're just all like Elon's little like drones, I guess now. Okay. So this is really weird. Like at some point in this conversation, I got bit on the neck. Like I feel like by a mosquito, which is like really fucking weird but i have like a bite on my neck and it itches and it does it happens sometimes it actually has been raining here and it's like a humid mm. like it's not that common it's weird i feel like a florida mosquito came through the screen like i'm not even joking i won't I'm not oh my god crazy. we have a bite. spiritual digital connection right now through this <laughs> astral realm <laughs> probably a demon though and it took some of my blood with it which is, <laughs> that down there or whatever um yeah that podcast though is so funny Wait, i kind of think that one guy is like I don't know. He's kind of attractive. I feel like the one without the what, the, the dark hair guy is kind of attractive, but the guy with like the thinning hair and like yeah, the yeah, yeah, lumberjack yeah, the, shirt, like yes. he's a creep. He's a creep. He's like he seems like a methed out pervert. Like I know there's something wrong with him. Like I can just he's he's dark. like dead behind the eyes. <laughs> yes, and he's like he loves you're right. It is to humiliate the the zoomer girls, which I take some like joy in. It is kind of funny to watch like 30 seconds of them squirm. I've never seen this like podcast like in the in the wild before. Uh, just just has it's been served to me via these like PR scripted um algorithmic campaigns. But I do like the 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 Ebro is just like. You just don't want your mom to be like a... Oh, and he's like very articulate. I, I think he could get those girls. If they were on camera, I think they'd be 
buying what he was selling a lot more to be yeah it's the other guy who's like looking at them with his like dead-eyed thousand yard stare and like just i don't know he's creepy but yeah i I just don't get why this podcast like i never saw it on my feed until like two weeks ago and now it's everywhere and it's like clearly it's like this huge like well-funded operation so it's like where did they fucking get this money from <laughs> yeah like i don't know who do we call okay can we just like we just need to get in touch with their p like pr is like no one talks about public relations that much or like i always see madison avenue to be like which is kind of more like marketing i guess or advertising but maybe that whole world people don't talk about it that much but it is the like soft kind of like uh, soft hammer i don't know it's a stupid metaphor it really is like the the power behind like a lot of the propaganda thrown for sure. And one thing that I hate about that is libs will take that and extrapolate it the wrong way and say that, oh, well, it's just like, this is what people want. And that's why businesses are doing it. It's not part of a narrative. Like it, if people didn't like it, then businesses wouldn't do it because businesses want to make money. And it's like, oh, you sweet summer child. But yeah, I worked in, um, mar- oh, I like, I kind of still do work in marketing. Um, but thank God, uh, the company that I work for is like not in a like woke field or anything. But in the past, I was working for a company that was like sort of adjacent to things that would be like a more mainstream audience and therefore were pandering to wokeness. Actually, this company had like ties to Agenda 21. I can't dox myself, so I like can't talk about it too much. But I remember like at the time thinking things were like (laughs) sus, but it was like before I was fully red pilled. Like I think at at that point I was like still um, kind of like dirtbag left adjacent or turfy like you know but i hadn't like fully gone down like balls to the walls conspiracy rabbit holes you weren't but, um, balls yet <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> my hypothetical balls just for the record anyone who's listening i'm not trans um <laughs> but um yeah I, they, they were like a weird company that had a lot of like sketchy stuff going on but anyway we had like a creative director come in at one point and he was talking about getting non-binary models for our next photo shoot and i was just like fuck this shit i am not gonna sit here in a fucking boardroom and talk about how we're gonna like you know like bend over backwards pandering to this narrative and thank god i got laid off like a week later because this was like right before covid and it like (laughs) this was like part of my radicalization journey because then i was like i literally told myself i was like i'm not going back to marketing ever again I want to do like technical writing from now on. Like I will write, you know, copy to explain how to use like a product or like, I don't know. I'm like, I was just like, I'm not writing about a non-binary model. And it was so good that I got laid off because obviously that was like April, 2020. And then like a month or two later, it was like George Floyd. And then my company, along with like every other company was like sending out emails about like how they support the black community. And that would have been my job. I would have had to write that shit. I was like, I would rather fucking kill myself. Like <laughs> it, was, it was a very dark time. And yeah, you've, you've stirred up some dark, dark corporate memories. Okay, no, no, it's okay. But it is funny because it's like, um, I don't know. Yeah, I guess just the yeah, the fact that you were laid off probably was, I guess, good. Oh, yeah, just hearing like non-binary in a boardroom, that would radicalize me, actually, because like hearing it just in like the context of like HR or like, I don't know, I did, I've done corporate like diversity type things where it's like I when it's driven by people who just like want to like do things, it's one thing when it's driven top down, my experience, it's like ghastly it's like a nightmare you know so like when it's people who just want to get together because they have something in common like i you know i would never i would never support that i think people should actually i think everyone should be allowed to associate openly with the people that they are similar to like including white men yes that does it makes sense people should form tribes you just don't 
Yeah, it's natural. Just, co- like, just coalesce amongst the tribes. Anyway, hearing about non-binary people in a setting of like the actual work that I was to be doing would probably send me into a homicidal rage. I would be a homicidal homosexual. Did you <laughs> Did you see, um, there was like a tweet going around today and it was about advertising on the London Underground. Like they have like big posters on the London Underground. And there was this one in 2016 that like went viral for being like offensive to women. And it got taken down by like the advertising standards and the mayor of London and stuff. It was basically this woman. It was true. Her body looked really photoshopped and unrealistic, but she was like wearing a bikini. She had like huge tits and a tiny waist and like visible ribs. And it was like, are you beach body ready? And it was for like a protein powder. And so obviously that like angered the body positivity movement. And to be honest, like I said, I was in London at the time. I saw it all the time. And I did think that it was like literally Photoshopped, but it's like, this is advertising. You know what I mean? Like it is what it is. But people were like, (laughs) yeah, people were like, oh, this is like offensive. So it got taken down. And then it went viral this week because people put like a picture of that next to a picture of like what's currently like on the big posters on the London underground. And right now it's like, I don't even know what brand it was. I think it was like for some sort of like razor, but it's like a vegan. I don't know. I I, I didn't look into what it was, but it was like, (laughs) it was this group of people um, like models, quote unquote. But it was like, there was like eight of them. And one was like this, obese black woman she was like in the middle and then behind her was like a topless person who was like obviously female but had like a double mastectomy with like visible like top surgery to torture porn basically self-harm porn is what it actually is it's like but it's like okay so that can be on the london underground where like kids are there looking at it and like you're normalizing removing healthy body parts and also like I don't know. Like, there's just something so horrifying about it. Also, it's like people are using it to get to work in the morning. We don't want to look look at like Roxanne Gay and some like (laughs) psychopathic lesbian that cut her tits off because she couldn't get enough of like self-harm because I, I don't know like i'm not fully onto that i don't know or at least maybe i shouldn't say maybe that's too far to say maybe it's not but like the image of it is definitely like a perpetuation of a really gross like, surgery scars are not celebrated in society for a reason they're like person they don't need to be on the london underground advertising and jennifer black from like 11th hour blog who does a lot of this really good reporting on these things like really wrote a good piece about how like uh it's just like she was kind of almost seduced by this, like, I don't know, these the imagery. It's about the seduction of these kind of just these violent uh, images that you see. And it really does kind of, she tied it back to kind of glorification of self-harm and cutting and how it's like these girls who are kind of obsessed with cutting at this same age at which they're being kind of preyed on by all this propaganda uh, in schools and whatnot and by society are also seeing these images served up of like women with like scars on them. And it's kind of like a normalization slash like fetishization slash just like, conflation of all of that and i think it's manipulative and i think she's right about it i totally agree and i i remember seeing like it was even on some kids cartoon did you see that one like there was a kid's cartoon that had quote-unquote top surgery scars so this is like being served to like five-year-olds to normalize it and the idea behind it like the justification behind it is like oh well like we're showing all body types like all of this is normal okay first of all it's not normal but second of all a five-year-old does not need to be asking their parents like what that is because a five-year-old doesn't need to understand what any of this is because it's like their brains are not developed enough yet to comprehend this like you're literally like seeding in it's so manipulative you're absolutely right 
It is. And I need to leave it shortly for my producer and for me dinner is almost ready. But it ties perfectly in, though, because you just said that so well to this other video that we watched. I shared with you because you're talking about the seduction of the youth and kind of planting all this. Literally, it's grooming. It's programming. And maybe is a better word. They're programming these like new ideas about to very impressionable use about what society is, what gender and sexuality, all these things that they truly, as you said, do not need to think about. They're not fully formed. They don't, they can't grasp it. They can't grapple with it. They have not reached a point in their own maturity where they can physically, physiologically, mentally, all in every way, spiritually grapple with their identity because they are children. They are not formed. They are precious unformed little babies and we're putting these things on the tv and then there's this woman i think she's the lieutenant governor of minnesota that i shared this clip with you and she goes on this like tirade like i shouldn't say tirade but she goes on about how like their parents i don't even know the exact quote it was essentially like believe children when your children tell you who they are we believe them and that's what a good parent does and it's this very gross yeah she said it was like life affirming it's your job as a parent to like affirm whatever your child says isn't that the total opposite of what parents are supposed to do? Like when I was a kid, I literally thought I've tweeted about this once before. I thought I was Thomas the tank engine because (laughs) I, I was Thomas for Halloween and I dressed up as him and I wouldn't take off the costume for like three days. And I would go around the house. And when my parents would say, Cassandra, like come, come to dinner, whatever. I'd be like, my name is Thomas. And like, like, so like, you know, for a couple of days they played along and they called me Thomas, but they didn't like transition my gender and start saying to the world that I was actually a male train. You were a literal child trainee. Yeah, I was, I was a trainee. (laughs) I was transgender. You're transgender. Oh my gosh. I can't believe your parents were so cruel to deny you that life affirming care. I'm glad you weren't genocided. And whether it was the guy that trains trains gender genocide. I mean, I guess I was like the train within me was genocided. And now I have to live life as assigned female at birth. Oh my God. There's another timeline where you're like, you live your life. There's a musical called Starlight Express by Andrew Lloyd Webber, creator of Cats. He also did a musical about human trains. You would be probably in that at least or obsessed with it maybe you even know of it as like a repressed transgender person <laughs> obsessed with Starlight express um i don't know but the point being i guess with this like poor this poor woman she's an awful one you know was gross about her speech she makes this speech about how like oh i you this is how you be a good person you listen to your kids which believe children is it was a stretch to believe women frankly <laughs> now we're gonna believe children like what are we talking about here what are we doing just believe us braving lunatic on the fucking street it does not make any sense but she says that sentence and she's just so proud everyone claps and she has this like beaming like prideful smile and it's like i, I was about to say that she like flipped her hair or something she had this little smirk like oh my god uh, it makes my blood boil i fucking i don't know like i just and it's the the, the message basically being like the state's gonna take your kids away if you don't like listen to them that's kind of what i'm getting from it in a grand narrative sense but it's also like so if you don't believe your children because we put these ideas in their heads in these weird like various ways like cartoons with weird what you're describing like with weird images of like transgender surgeries like cosmetic surgeries you know all these medical procedures that we're like getting them socialized to very early which are you know very lucrative for the people doing this socialization you know on, among other things it's just very disturbing that it's like you're creating this like you're completely removing the parents from the equation altogether they have no choice they cannot fight back against it from either the, the propaganda or from the like repercussions if they don't go along with the results of that propaganda Right. Like, yeah, it's like, believe your child, but your child does not exist in a vacuum. Your child exists in a society. And it's basically saying, okay, let's turn off like the the side of 
the society that's the parents' opinions and let's amplify the narrative. And then it's like, okay, so we're going to program your kids with the narrative. And then your kid's going to regurgitate the narrative because kids just regurgitate what they hear people say. And so then they say it and then, okay, what? So yeah, believe them and your kids get taken. Yeah. It's, it's, it is disturbing. And I, I mean, when I was like a rad femme back in the day, um, they always like rad, other rad femmes always said, you know, no one's going to listen when it's just like women talking about men like Dylan Mulvaney, for example, but obviously he was not doing this yet, but like doing women face or whatever. It's like, no one cares about that. But people would say, you know, once they start doing it to kids, they were already doing it to kids. But once the fact that they're doing it to kids hits the mainstream, that's when it's going to become an inflection point. And it has, but now that they're just turning it into the fucking culture wars, like I, I don't, I, I don't feel super optimistic about it right now. I mean, like, I hope we win, but like, you know, it's crazy to me. I, it shouldn't be. I, nothing should surprise me anymore, but it's still crazy to me to see Normie lives doubling down and being like, well, yeah, actually we should believe children. I mean, and to be clear, I guess you should believe children once they're adults about their childhood scary it's a terrible message but it is like i mean let's be real i think you're to your point children children have all kinds of things that you need to push back on because that's how you form them that's actually how you like mold them into like a functional person in the society i know it's just really it's very chilling i guess i do have hope because i just feel like we have to just like say no thank you that's like my operation now because like once enough people understand and understand how many people feel the same way because these are not minority opinions. These are just repressed opinions or suppressed opinions. You just have to say like, we're like, no, we're not doing that. Yeah. But it just can't go back to that mixed reality. Like there were, I guess America's going to be in a mixed reality relationship for, for a while. It sounds like. Though. Yeah. I mean, we're there. We're there for sure. <laughs> it's wild. Um, Cassandra, it's been a pleasure. I do. I always have to like leave because I'm hungry, but that's just like, <laughs> we, I guess that's how we roll here at <laughs> here comes the backlash. It's like awesome to talk to you. I, um, I'm just drawing a blank. I just, I feel, I feel filled with joy actually and, and warmth and like just positive feelings. And I'm just like, it's, you're an angel and a presence. And I'm just delighted that you would uh, spend an evening just chatting with me here on the, on the old Zoom about the whatnot and then the who's at it, you know? No, thank you so, so much for having me. It's like a joy every single time. It's so much fun. I would come on your podcast every night if I could. So I feel like we're going to work towards like a, yeah, a network, I guess, where you just have like, we can, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get there probably by the end of Q3. I think we should be full time. I feel like that. I was talking about you on Thoughts and Prayers, by the way, just as an aside, saying you're, that you wanted to do a space. And I think that we should still do a space. <laughs>